Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren. Darren? Darren? Well, Darren's supposed to be over there. He's having issues with his headset and his, once he unplugged it, the whole computer went, and uh, we lost him for a second. But that won't stop the start of the show. So here we go. Today on Two Old Bloggers, where both of us commenting on the Minnesota Vikings for over two decades piece publicly opinionate on what's happening in the world of your favorite team. Our first theme today is going to be about Brian Flores. They had the introductory press conference this week. We're looking at first impressions. Can he fix the defense? Good question. We believe so. We're going to give you our first impressions, and I'll give you a sneak peek. We like what we saw. Our second theme continues with the state of the Vikings. This time we're looking at the tight ends. And yes, ladies, I know you love that position, but we are looking at them. Today, we're going to go through them. We're going to figure out what in the world is going on. We know we have the great and wonderful TJ Hawkinson. I see Darren just hopped in the green room, and I could see him. And we're going to, with the other two guys that are on the roster, and probably a fourth, and we'll discuss those as well. Then we're going to do one of Darren's favorites, the quick hitters. We got uh, three subjects on that. We're going to talk about real estate. Real estate. Yes, Darius Smith prepping his house. We're going to look at a couple of guys signed here yesterday, I think it was. Um, some of our restricted free agents, good to have them back. And then we're going to look at what Sharif Floyd has been up to. Next on Two Old Lines. Climb in the pocket, Aiden Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. And let's bring Darren back in. And there he is, folks. The one, the only, Darren Campbell. How you doing, buddy? I am doing well, Dave. How about you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Saturday, and I'm in a great mood. And there, Tyler Fornis joining us. Let's draft a quarterback. <laughs> oh, I'm cool with that, Tyler. But that'll be for a different show. Maybe <laughs> tomorrow night on yours. Oh, uh, you have a good week. How is the weather up there in the frozen north? Any balloons? Yeah, no balloons. Just. Another cold snap, minus 29 Celsius and minus 50 with the wind chill in the evening. Just, just, a, just a regular February in Yellowknife. <laughs> well, that's good. Let's get this sucker started. Yes, let's please let's do it. All right. We named this one, Can Brian Flores Fix the Vikings Defense? That's more of a catch line. It is the purpose of the hiring of him, but it is more of a catch line. We're going to talk about our first impressions of him going on we'll talk about the tight ends and we'll go on our quick hitters 
Let's get it started with theme one. First impressions, Brian Flores. Or Beeflo, as uh, Kevin O'Connell was calling him on the press conference, which shows that they're already pretty comfortable with one another. If uh, if, uh, if uh, you know your head coach is calling you Beeflo, and the, the defensive coordinator's calling him, I think he you know he called him Kev a few times, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So uh, yeah, but uh, last week we knew that Flores got hired as a defensive coordinator. Hallelujah kind of the guy that you wanted, the guy that I wanted for, for the most part, but he still hadn't done his introductory press conference with the yellow, uh, with the, I was going to say the Yellowknife media with the minute, the Vikings media. Uh, it'd be nice if Flores did something with the Yellowknife media up here, but I, I'm not expecting that. But anyway, uh, first, first media conference. And this is always a good one for fans like us, Dave, because uh, who follow the team closely, because it's, it's our first opportunity to really hear about, What's this guy's vision going to be for the defense that he's going to lead? Uh, what what kind of a defense is he going to run? Uh, what kind of players is is he is he going to talk about? What kind of players he's going to bring in to to make that defense run as as well as it can? And uh, so this was an opportunity to hear a bit about that. I would say, from my perspective, anyway, that that the conference was very was not very illuminating if in those areas. But to be fair to Flores, he just got hired over a week ago. Uh, I don't think I'm pretty sure that none of the players that were on the Vikings that are currently under contract defensively or were under contract on the defense in 2022 uh, have ever he's ever coached at a professional level. So he doesn't really know who he's got at this point in time. I think it really intimately and and what they can do best and and what he thinks he needs. So uh, not surprising that he wasn't getting too specific about um, what kind of defense he's going to run and, and um, get into a lot of the nitty-gritty details. Uh, well, some of the things say, that- He did say when asked what kind of defense you know, he's going to run, he did say, oh, it depends who we're playing. And that was one of the big, the big takeaways from this was that some of the things that stood out for me, and Dave, you can mention as well, and I'm sure people in the comments section, hopefully we get lots of comments. Well, mm-hmm. as we always do, we'll, 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 we'll give us their take on it. But uh, yeah, that was one thing he got, he confirmed it's going to be a three, four defense. But when he was asked that question, he also said, well, he had, he responded with a question, which is the famous line now from the past few days is, well, who are we playing? All right. So he said it's going to be game plan specific. It's going to depend on the opponent we're playing and what works against them. And that's music to my ears and your ears and a lot of Vikings fans ears, I think, because, again, with Ed Donatel, it seems we ran the same stuff every week and the opponents knew what, what, we were, what they were going to get and they were never surprised. Well, Brian Flores is not going to be like that. He's going to have often opposing offenses guessing. And again, that is something I am wholeheartedly in favor of. He also said that he confirmed I'm aggressive by nature, uh, but he said I'm aggressive, but I'm not reckless. And I think that's an important distinction, Dave. Um, and, and you agree because uh, you and I and, and lots of people watched the Vikings defense last year. We did a lot of bitching and moaning. Oh, Donatel, he's not bringing enough pressure. We're not getting home with four. You got a blitz. and that's all true, but uh, and Flores is a guy who has shown back with Miami that he he likes to blitz a lot more than Donatel did. But you got to blitz at the right times. Uh, yes. You can't 
yeah, it, it just can't be blitz, 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 and more blitz. And if you don't, you got to be smart about it. You got to have the right personnel to do it. And if you're not smart about it and don't have the personnel to do it, you're going to give up. <laughs> GMAC. Uh, GMAC. <laughs> yeah. We love you, if you're GMAC. not smart, but yeah, if you're not smart about it, if you do, if you don't have the personnel to do it a lot, but you still do it a lot, you're probably going to, you're going to give up a lot of big plays. You're still going to give up a lot of points. So, uh, and Forrest was also pretty frank that, you know, he says cover zero and, and blitzing a lot. Uh, I like to show it, but I don't always like to bring it. Uh, but I like to people get the offenses thinking that they have to account for it. So he wants to create indecision, confusion in opposing offenses' minds, but he's not, and then look like he's going to blitz, but then do something different. Again, I'm very happy to hear that that's going to be the way he's going to run the defenses. And that's a big plus to me. He talked about, uh, I think the word he used, and he said he got this from Mike Tomlinson, was that he wants a defense that's got, going to play well on weighty downs. Uh, and I think that kind of harkens back to Kevin O'Connell talking all last year about how we've got to play, we play, play your best when your best is required. Uh, being situational masters. The Vikings were situational masters offensively in a lot of areas last year and even defensively in a few areas. You know, they wouldn't give up a whole lot of points at the end of the first half or the end of in the fourth quarter, even though they were terrible in lots of other areas. But Brian Flores sounds like he's going to really, really uh, be focused on being, um, you know, great in situations where it really counts. Again, I like that a lot. He talked about how he wants smart, tough, uh, and team first football players. Uh, well, I think every defensive coach wants those kind of players. So not a, you know, big good news flash there, but do the Vikings have those players uh, right now? I don't know. Uh, you've got the defense has been terrible for three seasons now. So he's got a lot of work to do, but he talked about how uh, he likes players who play multiple roles. I think that bodes well for the two gentlemen that you've got pictured here, Lewis Seen and Brian Asamoah in particular, who are two guys who can, who've got the skill set, got the athletic ability to play uh, multiple roles. Seen in college was a guy who sometimes covered wide receivers in the slot, um, as well as being a safety. Asamoah is a guy who can be a linebacker, but you can blitz him, and also you can have him in coverage, almost like a, like a beefed-up safety in a lot of ways, like a Keanu Neal kind of dude. So I think that those guys who didn't play much last year, Seen and Asamoah, and Seen didn't play a lot, mostly – because of the injury, but he didn't play much before he got injured. But I think that they're going to play a much bigger role in the Vikings defense in 2023 than they did in 2022 because they can be multiple. I think it, it what Forrest says doesn't bode as well for somebody like Jordan Hicks, who is like right now at his, at his stage of his career, 31 years old, uh, he's pretty much an inside linebacker, probably not a three-down linebacker, an inside linebacker, and not a guy who's good in coverage and doing multiple things, uh, which means that he could probably he's probably a goner from the Vikings, as has been speculated by lots of people who cover the team. But uh, those were some of the things that stuck out for me, Dave. Again, a lot of work to do for Flores. Uh, does he look at replacing a few guys on the Vikings defense? Uh, or does he look at culling several of the starters, which means the rebuild and the, the rebuild of the defense probably will take more than more than this season. It'll be multiple seasons. Um, but again, a lot of work for him. 
I think a little bit of a, an interesting point, and this was brought up in our Gallahorn site by uh, Kyle Belland, I thought was a good point um, earlier in this week, talking about how Flores got to start with the Patriots as a scout. Uh, I think that's important because, yeah, all coaches have scouting. They are scouting players. Like, who are we going to draft? Who do I bring in to make my defense or offense or special teams better? Uh, um, who do I get rid of? Who do I? And, and they make those decisions all the time about talent. But not all of them had a scouting background like Flores did, where their job was to look at players and project what kind of player they're going to be in one or two or three years. So as the Vikings begin this rebuild of the defense, I think it's a big advantage for them to have a guy like Flores with a scouting background who can take that kind of a little different lens on the players that he needs, the players that the Vikings maybe should be looking at drafting on the defensive end in April and who they should let go who are already on the, on the team right now. Oh, I agree completely. Uh, as a scout, you're looking for a lot of the times you're looking for traits, right? As a coach, you want to take the abilities and make them better to go towards whatever scheme you're scheming. And hopefully as a coach, you're smart enough to focus on things that are best for those individual players. If the player is real good at playing in the box, you play him in the box, right? Uh, there's yes. the old story. Uh, Patriots had a guy they brought in who was good at defeating the rollout on an RPO. And they brought him into a game and just totally demolished the other team who did nothing but RPOs. But that's what he was good at. He wasn't good at much else, but he was great at that. And they would utilize that. And he's gone from both. I see this guy has, you know, quick speed. He does this. He he keeps his balance well over his feet. He's got swivelly hips or whatever it is that he wants to find in that sort of player. And he, he can identify that, plus he can go, I now know how to put them in a defense, in this case, and make them work better for the whole. How to defeat the solution. Find the solution to defeating the opposing offense. I can do that as well. I think the combination of those is what makes him special. And I have a last slide that we'll show before we end this theme just on that topic. Oh, let's see what it is. Even I haven't seen this one. No. Well, but first, first thing that happened, right, since he's been here is questions started to come out. Is he keeping the Vikings present defensive coaching staff, or is he bringing in a bunch of guys of his own? Well, today, you put in Greg Minuski. Yeah, Greg Minuski got the axe. The inside, the Vikings inside linebackers coach is no longer part of the staff. So he would be, again, like you said, before us got in, the question after that is along with, okay, what eventually what players are the Vikings going to keep that uh, defensively and who are they going to bring in? But also who on who's going to be on the defensive staff? Is he going to bring in some of his guys and replace some of the guys that, uh, that Donatel brought in last year, or is it going to remain status quo? Well, it hasn't taken very long for them to make a change, and it's Greg Minuski. And, uh, and not maybe not really surprising because Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks, the starting inside linebackers this year, were not very good. And Greg Minus Minuski was not able to coax very uh, good play out of them during the 2022 season. 
Uh, and one of the reasons the Vikings were so bad on defense, I think, is that Hicks and Brickley Hendricks just were not very good tackling and covering in space uh, this season, uh, and it really, really hurt us. So uh, uh, Minuski and his coaching uh, is uh, they're going to bring Flores is going to bring some, in somebody else he thinks can do a better job in that area. Now I'd be interested to see if somebody like the defensive line coach Rump if he also moves on because I don't think that the defensive lineman that the Vikings had last year, other than Dalvin Tomlinson and Kyrie's Tonga for the short amount that he played that Rump was able to get them to maximize their potential either. So he'd be another guy that I think might be moving on. Could be, we don't know. It's and the defensive backs coach as well. <laughs> yeah, There's play openings, um, yeah. but it's all, I think with his background, we can take advantage of this no matter how long his stay is in Minnesota. I think this is a great way to get the defense fired back up and back to the standards. And, of course, Coach O'Connell talks about the championship standard. Back to that level. It may take two years, right, to get it fully up to that speed. But we're going to see some improvement this year, and I can't wait for it. And since we got him, you know who's pissed off the most? Yeah, I do not. Steelers. The Steelers? Hmm. Um, this article that I have highlighted here, written on Sports Illustrated, talks about he did such a good job in Pittsburgh, that he has set an expectation level that cannot be achieved again hmm. by a senior head coach, advisor, assistant, whatever his title was over there, at improving the defense. The Roonies have already approved Mike Tomlin to get an offense assistant and replace him as defense assistant. But they're worried nobody's going to come close. So if the team he came from is bitching and complaining that he's gone, you know you got a good thing. I think so. Uh, one question I want to ask and throw it out there for others is that uh, part of, and I, I didn't mention this when we were talking this week, David, but uh, uh, the, the whole thing of how people were impressed that Flores chose actually chose the Vikings when he still apparently was in the running for the Cardinals job and that uh, he talked about how this was a, an opportunity to grow an opportunity to learn and saying all those nice things that you say when you 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 you, you get a job and and certainly we don't know what his compensation is but it's probably a given that he's making less money with the Vikings as a defensive coordinator than he would have been as a head coach in Arizona or I think he was also up for the Colts job or mm -hmm. as well uh, but Yes, I, I just as a as a counterpoint to that, uh, and I'm not discounting it, but uh, before I, I and maybe it's it's sort of irrelevant, but I I, I do feel that like okay, uh, let's push the put the brakes on that a little bit because let's look at the timing of the particularly of the Cardinals and the Colts and how who they picked for their head coaches, uh, like. Right after the Super Bowl, Gannon goes to the Cardinals and gets picked, and Steichen's gone to the Colts. I think that Flores neither was got the indications from the Cardinals that uh, sorry, Beeflo, we're actually taking Gannon, 
but um, but you know, I think that he, you're you're our backup. Our pro- he got yeah. that. I'm not the primary guy because they are. If I was the primary guy, they would have hired me already. Yeah, that's right. And so that they didn't. I'm not. And he didn't think that he had a good shot at either of those jobs. So he, I think he decided that, look, I got a sure thing in Minnesota. I, I like Kevin O'Connell. I like what he's building there. I'm going to take this job rather than waiting for two jobs that I'm probably not going to get. Well, and he talked about going on a gut feeling, right? He He's now going to work with Kevin O'Connell and then a very analytic quasi, Adolfo Mensa, right? And... The last thing analytics wants to hear is gut feeling. But he, yeah, he had yeah to, right. <laughs> that's what he said. He goes, it's a gut feeling. Well, and gut feelings come in real good on interpersonal relationships. It's that first impression when you meet somebody, right? That you go off of, and then that's got to be built on or subtracted or whatever from that. Um, that very first impression, Kevin and Quasi and all those people got from. Brian was a good one, and vice versa. It's the culture thing. And the culture that they had obviously shown, and, you know, this is a cool place to work. We want you here. Da, 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 da. We can, we can maximize what we do with the players. This is a good spot for you. And he felt it was a good spot. And besides his uh, teenage boys, I think they're teenage or young teens, uh, wanting Justin Jefferson – and insisting Minnesota's the place, uh, which is a cute story. It, yes. it felt right to him. And that whole feeling right is a good thing because when people feel wanted and that stuff feels right about going to work, you want to go to work and you do a better job. And can't wait for that at all. And it's important he improved the Vikings' defense uh, because uh, we face some pretty good quarterbacks in our schedule in 2023. Yes, we do. Holmes, Herbert, <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it goes on and on. Jalen Hurts. Well, definitely make a name for himself that way. Well, that brings us to the end of the first theme. And as, as usual, the first theme is brought to you by Badass Wood Art. Here we have Lewis. Reminding us all that if you want a piece, a beautiful piece of his artwork, and it is artwork, even though he does it in wood, it's a form of art. It's almost like sculpture. You get 20% off using the promo code CTPOCKET. And he wanted to show off this this week. (laughs) People in Minnesota, I don't know right now in Yellowknife, but people in Minnesota are starting to dream about going back out on the golf course, the snow melting and the spring coming and everything else. And what motivation is you're practicing your putting in your basement? Then I won't call him the goat. He's one of the greatest ever, but the goat to me is always Jack Nicholas. But that's true. Yeah. uh, Tiger Woods himself, the energy, the red shirt. If you're an avid golfer, no one, this would be a fantastic gift for them to hang on their wall. I think it would look fantastic. Uh, If you own a golf course, it would look great in your club. So that's badass wood art. Now on to the theme two. The tight ends. 
our third uh, segment is looking at the Vikings positional uh, units, uh, looking at uh, the state of those units. Uh, we did running backs first, did the offensive line um, <laughs> in last week, and now we got the tight ends, Dave. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, this is a position that's uh, pretty top-heavy and top-heavy in that we, we got, a, I think, a great starting tight end and then not really very much behind him at the moment. Um, which is concerning when we'll get into it. But T.J. Hawkinson, the man, uh, the myth, the legend, not such a myth anymore because uh, when he got uh, one of the best moves that Quasey made in his first year, well, actually it was the best move he made <laughs> other mm-hmm. than other than hiring Kevin O'Connell. And uh, that here, what's up, guys? We appreciate you showing up. Uh, but, yeah, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, uh, great pickup by Quasey Dofamensa and uh, – Became the number one guy as soon as he got here and was the one of the, I think, b- besides Travis Kelsey, from the time he got to Minnesota till the end of the re- year, he was the most targeted, most used, most productive tight end other than than, than Travis Kelsey in the NFL, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, so a, a guy that, he, that showed that he can bring great value to the Vikings offense and hopefully is going to bring a lot of great value in 2023 and beyond. The question with with T.J. Hawkinson is um, the Detroit had already uh, had yeah Cashola. They uh, Detroit had already upped uh, uh, on his fifth year option, so right. he's under contract in twenty twenty three for uh, roughly nine point three million, which is uh, quite a raise from he was making just under a million last year. So a great raise for him, but the quite that's and you would think oh that's quite a bit, but actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's way lower than the, some of these guys, way lower than the top paid guys, Darren Waller and George Kittle. And it's even less than guys like Taysom Hill, if you can believe it. Which is it. amazing. And John U. Smith, if you can believe it, who I think good player, but doesn't seem to be in TJ Hawkinson's class as far as a pass catcher. So the Vikings, I think, have a decision to make really like you got him under contract uh, for 9.3. Do you extend him now? Or do you ex- wait a year and extend them in 2024? Uh, I think if if you got an extension, if uh, I was reading a few things and um, kind of the, the rough guesstimate right now is that if you extended Hawkinson right now, you could probably get him for like 15 million a year, which is a lot more than 9.3. But for when you look at that, the fact that he was the number two wide uh, receiving option for the Vikings last year, that is actually a pretty good bargain. Like Adam Thielen's going to make 19 million this year coming, right. and he's your like your number three guy at this point. So 15 million for T.J. Hawkinson isn't that bad. And again, that isn't even nearly that isn't as much as Kittle's making, Darren Waller's making currently right now, and some of those other guys we pointed to. So not too bad. Uh, Plus, but, if you give him the extension, you can free up cap space because the extension would come after it would start 2025. Or no, yeah. 2024 season. The 2023 season is your nine and a half million. You can move some of that money. You can play the games of here's a signing bonus, right? Well, and that bonus gets broken down and bunched up over all that time period. And you could do this bonus and that bonus. You can wiggle it. So the 9.5 actual dead cap this year comes down, right? And stays relatively low as we go forward. And you get the bigger lump sum towards the end. Or however Brzezinski wants to arrange it, they can do that. It gives them flexibility. 
It does, and the reality is is that if Hawkinson has about the same year he had this year or even a little bit better if he's healthy, uh, it, uh, extending him is going to just get more expensive in 2024 anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you extend him now, you've got more price certainty for about four years, maybe five, starting now uh, and 2024 and beyond rather than waiting a year. The only question is, of course, is that particularly if, you, if you're looking at you want to extend Justin Jefferson now – and you've got some cap issues right now. Like, you know, like how does that all work? Can you extend Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson now and still address the defense? I don't know if you can do that, but uh, but well, I would think you, you know, can because you can move the cap hits further down. The cap hits, yeah, technically wouldn't start to the new contract, but you can move some of that money forward. Call a bonus, do this, do that, and you can drop the pay. Uh, but you're spreading it out. You're gonna. It, you're, it's going to hit yes. at some point in time, but yes, you could do that this season. It's, uh, I remember back when we got uh, um, the guys from Buffalo. Um, why am I losing? Come on. Greatest pound-for-pound cornerback pound ever. Hit Antoine Winfield. Antoine Winfield, right? Brez put all the money up front, right? And so that in the next few years, the cap hit was low, but they could put it up front because they had the cap room to put it up front. Yes. Right now, players right now frown on that uh, because it takes away the leverage from them down the road. Uh, this is the problem with one of the problems with Daniil Hunter. He had all his cap stuff up front. And now this year his cap hits like five million dollars, which is nothing for one of the top ten defensive ends in the league. That's nothing. Um, but it, it is a good way of doing business because you're paying for what you get, and then you have options later. Well, we got to yes. get back sort of into that mode, but we might have to stick with kicking the can a little bit longer before we can get fully into that mode. They're working at. They're trying to level out that curve, whether it's Way up here in front or way in here in the back, they're trying to level and smooth that out. So it's a good thing. It is a good thing. And I think that the Vikings are going to do all they can to extend Hawkinson this yeah, year. Point. Um, and on the extend, well, yeah, I, I guess. But I think that they're going to try to do what they can to extend him this year if they can uh, for those reasons. And, and then, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, You've got Hawkinson next year regardless. Uh, beyond him, though, is where the problems start to pile up for the Vikings uh-huh. in that you got Johnny Munt. Uh, he's under contract in 2023 for, you know, like just over a mil. Uh, he'll be back because he's cheap and he's a willing blocker, but he doesn't offer much in the passing game. He had a career year last year with the Vikings with, which for 19 catches and 140 yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's about the max that you can expect from him. Um, well, and as you can see on this chart, I added his career since he came in the league, his overall scores from PFF. Now, take PFF with a grain of salt. Not sh- quite sure how accurate they are when it comes to tight ends. They're better in some positions than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can see he had promise after his second year scoring high, and he's gone downhill since then. Part of that, it may be coaching style, whatever. But hopefully he can recover and be a good blocking back. Yes. Blocking tight end, catching the ball occasionally. 
Yes, because that's his main role in this offense last year was was blocking and he catch the odd dump off one or two times a game. And and that's that's what he's gonna be. He hasn't shown anything during his career that he's anything other than that. Um so you got you got Hawkinson, you got Munt. After that, Nick Muse is currently on the practice squad, but he did not uh, as we know, drafted in the seventh round last year, didn't make the team out of training camp after preseason. Uh, we landed on the practice squad, got elevated for a few gains, then he got waived, brought back in the practice squad. I have no idea whether Muse has any promise, uh, but he, at, at best, he would seem like he'd be one of the a guy like Johnny Munt or a Red Ellison kind of guy who you know is is a, is a blocker first and foremost and can catch one or two passes a game. Uh, I think that's the guy he is. Uh, and then Ben Ellison, who's currently a restricted free agent, but. Again, he got injured most. He was injured most of last year. I don't think he's going to have much of a market. Uh, he could certainly be brought back, and I think he would be open to being bring, to being brought back to compete for a roster spot on the team. You look at his grades there; they're much better than months <laughs> in, in just about in just about all areas. But again, the sample size is so so small. It was it's four hard. games. Yeah, forty-four. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah, hard to tell what that means. But right. he's young. He's cheap. Uh, and I don't think he's going to have much of a market. So I could see the Vikings bringing him back uh, as a uh, you know as a camp body and see what happens. But he was also even if they team switches down there, and that's Muse's yeah. strength is special teams, and th- which is all well and good. Uh, but uh, if right. you know you got the the concern is is that if anything were to happen to T.J. Hawkinson, if he was hurt for an extended amount of time, and your number one is Johnny Munt. With the other Ellison and Muse as your backups, well, the Vikings' offense and its passing game is going to suffer um, severely, yes. and so that's a big concern for me. I, I think that yeah, it's a huge step down, and so I, you know, they've got to bring in somebody else to compete for compete for playing time with Munt, with Muse, with Ben Ellison if he's back. Uh, you'll notice that I have not mentioned Herb Smith Jr. There's a reason for that because he's not going to be back with the team next year. You can that's a guarantee. I I, I know that with his injury problems the past two years, David, and the fact that and his production even when he wasn't injured, uh, I I don't think that even as a free agent this year he he'd you know he's somebody I think the Vikings would like to bring back, and he wouldn't cost an arm and a leg, but he's going to want to compete for a number one job somewhere and that's not going to be in minnesota so just like ty conklin last year lots of people said we should we got to find a way to bring him back we gotta and it didn't happen i don't think the vikings even made an offer to bring him back or maybe no, he told them they knew he was going to get a start yeah someplace else. and so we went to greener pastures uh both money wise and in uniform color and he signed with the <laughs> new york jets uh, so that's the same thing irv smith is going to do this year where he ends up i don't know but it won't be in minnesota so you just throw him out of the equation completely, uh, and the Vikings. So the Vikings are going. I think are going to have to bring in. They got to bring in somebody to compete with Munt and those sorts of guys. And I'm just throwing out a name here, but uh, it could be potentially in the free agency spot. Maybe they take a look at a guy, a veteran who has pass catching potential, but he's never really had a big impact in the NFL. Somebody like Max Williams, uh, like a highly regarded guy coming out of the University of Minnesota went back when he was drafted. He was drafted in the second round by the Baltimore Ravens, but he's never, he's had injury problems, 
Uh, he's never really had caught on except for his rookie year was probably his best year pass catching wise, but he does have athletic ability. He, he, he is a pass catching tight end and you could get him cheap. I think, I don't think his market is going to be very big. You'd bring him home. Maybe he's somebody you kick the tires on in the free agency market, uh, considering you don't have a whole lot of cap space and the, there's lots of tight ends out there, but just somebody to keep an eye on. I'd like the Vikings really to, again, target in the draft a tight end, uh, like in that round three to five area. You can get some, you get lots of good tight ends in rounds three to five. Uh, you know, you don't, you, a lot of times you, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to draft a tight end in the first round because guys like Kittle, Kelsey were all drafted way beyond later in the, in the draft than, than the first round. And, and so, uh, the problem, of course, is the Vikings right now only have those five draft picks. Uh, so do you do you pick a tight end, uh, a draft a tight end when you've got so many needs, particularly on the defensive end? Um, but I would like to see them targets a, a guy like maybe a Josh Weil from Cincy, a Ben Sims from Baylor. You've got them up there, guys that are projected to go in round three, four, five, maybe six if they slip a little bit. Um, we don't have a uh, so. But, it, they might be somebody who's appealing to Quasi Dofomensa and Kevin O'Connell in day two and day three of the NFL draft. And of course, we're expecting that Quasi is going to do some trading and add some draft picks anyway. So uh, right now, the five picks that we have, I expect we'll have six, seven, maybe even eight when it's all said and done in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of, again, the tight end positions, not very deep. And that's and that's uh, and I'm putting mildly there. It's T.J. Hawkinson, and then a whole lot of nothing <laughs> after mm-hmm. that. And the Vikings have to do something to address that. I think, and, and I think they do. Uh, you might see it in an undrafted free agent type. I think that's another route. Another route for sure. They need to spend time specifically trying to target those types. On uh, the two you mentioned, uh, Josh Weil and Ben Sims. When Tyler was down in Mobile, he said uh, Weil was just meh. He says, mm-hmm. however, Sims intrigues him. So, um, but as for PFF, and I didn't grab the grades off there, but I've got them in front of me. Josh Wiles, the only one on their tight end list. Uh, Sims didn't even make it. Now, it could be because they haven't scouted him yet and they haven't made it, but Wiles is there and he was he was fifty fourth out of four hundred and fifty two when it uh that was in twenty twenty two uh tight ends. So I mean yeah, yeah, he's got some talent, but if he's meh, he's not gonna see the field anytime soon. You we're not gonna want him to. We're gonna want him as backup in development. That's why I'm saying you say late rounds but we have a lot of holes to fill prior to that. So target, you know, find that one. Find the guy from, you know, some little Division two school that nobody looks at, but that actually turns out to be fantastic and sign him as a UFA. That's Somewhere true. Like you, that. you look at a guy who's like, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Maybe he was a former basketball player who switched to tight, you know, to football because of his size. Yeah, somebody who's a diamond in the rough. Like, yeah, it, with – with limited draft picks 
and limited cap space, at least right now. Yeah, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and his scouting staff, whoever they are these days, they should be beaten. They should be beating the bushes because the the undrafted rookie free agent thing is could be where it's at for them as far as getting those one or two players that become your Anthony Harris or your Eric Wilson or your Adam Thielen. And that's important because you don't have 12 or 15 draft picks <laughs> this year mm-hmm. that, that you can take multiple shots at different right. positions like you could in the past. You got it exactly right. And uh, Davey, I saw you pop up there in the first at the end of the first theme. Welcome. And no, I'm not going to pass out on this show. At least I hope not. If I do, it's my Davey. Hope. I'll grab it. Go place plant into the desk, and you will all see it live. It'll be great for we me. Say, we say hi from the dew line up here as well. Mm. All right. That brings us to the end of theme two, and you know what that means. Beer time, Dave. It's beer time. Lake Monster Brewing. We're both wearing our hats today. Lake Monster Brewing, where you can find something special, great friends, and, of course, fantastic beer. Nothing's changed this week. They're still featuring the Margarita Goes. But I talked to Matt, Matt Lang, the brewmeister today. And I asked him how the Goes was going. And he says, mm-hmm. it goes well. And people are digging it, which is awfully, it's gone. awfully cool. And so he's got that. He also said, Dave, I've got a bunch of secret things in the pipeline. He will keep me looped in as they come. Just makes my mouth water thinking about it. And the reason I'm drinking tequila today is because I'm out of my Lake Monster beer. And this... Intense. Uh, yeah. Being a sort of like a tequila tasting that has a guave, it has lime. Why not substitute with tequila? So I'm drinking tequila. But it sounds fantastic. I would do it in a heartbeat. I would like to try it. And then the folks up there, if they're digging it, uh, that's... That's outstanding for Minnesotans. On tap, stays the same as last week. You got all your favorites there. If you want to get them, go get them. I have the maintenance supervisor here in my apartment complex down here in Austin, Texas. His name's Manny. Manny loves beer. Manny's our age, and he's a good man. And I gave him my last two Lake Monsters for him to try, and he was like, Dave, where can I get some more? I looked for it in Texas. I said, brother, you can't. It's in yeah. the Vikings viewing area. And if you're in the Twin Cities, you want to go to the brewery, it's in St. Paul right across the river. And he's like, damn. So we all feel that way when we're out of Lake Monster Brewery. So all of you up there in the Twin Cities area, go get some. It's that good. That brings us to theme three. <laughs> Our quick hitters. Quick hitters. I Before we get into it, Dave, I have a Lake Monster Brewing story for you from Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. And uh, a quick one. Uh, and uh, Indulge me, folks. Sorry. but uh, And also, Matt, if you, if you want to send me another care package, I'm more than open to, to that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was uh, returning my uh, beer cans and wine bottles to the, to the recycling depot two weeks ago. And uh, I dumped my beer cans in and I had my Lake Monster Brewing were a part of that thing. And, and the person who was sorting them picked out the big fat one, the big 
tall one the and growl. they're like, what's this one? The growl, what's this one? I said, I'm going to take that, keep that for my collection. And so, um, yeah, they were really, they were like, oh, wow, look at this beer can. It's different. And, oh, Lake Monster Brewing, where's that? So I gave them the whole spiel about how uh, it's in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, you know, I got it from, you know, it's a care package. You can't get it here in Yellowknife. Too bad. If you're ever in Minnesota, go visit the brewery. Uh, but anyway, they were really impressed, and uh, they're, it's in somebody's collection in Yellowknife, beer can collection now in Yellowknife. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> A bonus quick hit. That's great. All right. Now, you wanted to start off on a more serious topic. I do, yes. Uh, ben Gessling. this week. Yeah, so a little bit of news here. You know, Ben Gessling uh, tweeted out that uh, Zedarius Smith is uh, looks like he's putting his uh, Egan um, house up for sale on the market, which doesn't sound like a guy who expects to be a Viking in 2023. And you know, we know that he is one of those vet expensive veterans. That is he coming back or is he not coming back? Can the Vikings afford him? How much do they value him as a defensive player and all that sort of stuff? And so we do know that he's got a 15.5 million cap hit in 2023. And we know that he tailed off pretty badly in production the last nine, 10 games of the 2023 season. Uh, we know that you can, the Vikings could save 12 million if they cut him before June the 1st, which is pretty substantial with their, their cap space. And if um, they cut him before March or 19th, they save 5.5 or 5.05 million from becoming guaranteed. Yes, which another thing. So, and he's 31, so he's you know he's a thirty-plus guy, and you can't ex- his, his best days should be behind him. Uh, but Z is kind of a tough decision for me because you know he was so good those first nine games of the Vikings. Pretty much a lot of our pass rush was either. Because was because of him. Either he was blockers were getting occupied to dealing with him, or he was beating the blockers and either getting a sack himself or leading to some other guy cleaning up the mess that he had created. Uh, and I thought he was like an excellent team leader, a guy who was a, a great locker room guy. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot sometimes if you're not producing on the field, but when you are and you're you're a team leader, I mean that's pretty valuable. So, uh, and I think that also really Dave when and you might disagree or not, but I think, I don't think he really was very healthy as those last nine or 10 games. With well, yeah, the injury that when, he was working. Yeah. For. And it just seemed like he wasn't the same guy after that happened, but, but still he was fourth in the NFL according to pro football focus in, in pressures. Um, and, and I think that he's, he's a guy a top 20 defense, yeah. well, defense edge guy. Yeah. Um, he is, and even last year, even with fighting through that knee contusion that he was, it's you saw a lot of it. He just never got home there in the second half of the season like he was in the first half, and luckily that's the half when Daniel Hunter came up and started getting his. If they were both on the same page, both getting theirs, there would be no complaining whatsoever. The My question is not that he wouldn't work in – what we envision is the Flores system. I think he could be well utilized on that. It's whether they want to save the money with him because it's a good money saving spot because they still have to get under the cap. Yes. You know, or is it not quite what Brian Flores wants 
He wants to go younger, whatever, and he may go that route. We don't, we'll find out. And as Ben Gessling said, just because you're prepping your house for the market doesn't mean you're actually selling. And even if you do sell and it turns around, you're still on the team next year and they don't get rid of him, he'd still be under contract. Then you just go out and rent for a year. And maybe that's what he's doing. But, um, but, and I guess the other thing to think about if, if like I, I like you would be, uh, I'd be really interested to see what Flores could do with Zedaria Smith with, you know, the whole aggressiveness and blitz or not blitz and all that sort of stuff. And the way even Donatel you saw with Smith, uh, Smith would, he'd have him inside. He would have him outside. He was all over the place on the, on the line of scrimmage. And that's what Zedaria Smith does. Uh, he's not a guy you want to drop into pass coverage. He's a terrible <laughs> pass coverage guy, but but that's not what he does best. So I wouldn't really put him there. But anyway, it'd be, I'd be really interested to see what Flores could do with him. But And the other thing is, is that the guys, at least on the Vikings roster right now, who could be his replacements, DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones III, what I've seen from them is that they are nowhere near the caliber of player that Zedarius Smith is. So if they're taking – if they're the starter – for a release, Zedaria Smith, that is a downgrade for the Vikings in the pass rush in particular. And that would worry me for a defense that had trouble getting after the quarterback all last year. Um, and, and that just means that Forrest is going to have to even scheme be even more to create pressure, which isn't always a great thing either. But um, this whole, you know, Zedaria Smith has been a guy with the way he faded in the second half with his price cap, with his age, it just, it felt to me that he was a one and done with the Vikings, even when the season ended last year and seeing that his, he's prepping his house to go on the market makes me feel that that's even more so the case at, at this point in time. Well, when we signed him, we talked about, yeah, he had a two-year contract, but it was more like a one-year it's contract. Really a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, do not I'm, think I'm he is long for the Vikings. He was good. Like I said, he's a top 20 edge rusher. And when he's healthy, he's deadly out there, as we saw in the first half of the season. I would love to see deadly on his side and deadly with Daniil Hunter and see offensive coordinators grow ulcers just trying to figure out how to stop him. Yes. It is what it is, though. Brian Flores has his work cut out for him. That brings us to the second quick hitter. We had some guys signed this week. Yeah, big news, Dave. We're, uh, it's getting to that point of the season, I guess, where the, the Vikings are trying to fill out the roster as best they can. Uh, when you know there's that dead period after your team gets eliminated from the reg- from either their season is done or they get eliminated from the playoffs, but the, the playoffs are still going on where you can't really do much. Now the Super Bowl's over, so now everybody's kind of be is going to be getting into adding to their roster, and the league the, the league year will start in March. Which isn't very far away, so teams have got to they got to shore up stuff. The Vikings did that this week. They signed Kyrus Tonga, as you see, and Blake Brandle. Both got uh, identical one year, nine hundred forty thousand dollar a year uh, deals as uh, exclusive rights free agents. So they're back with the Vikings in twenty twenty three, assuming they make the team. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Um, they get a little bit of a they get a nice little. Um, $115,000 raise with this signing, which is always good. Uh, that's pretty much my yearly salary right now. So, <laughs> so nice for them. 
Um, yeah. And um, but yeah, uh, so I, I I think these are good value signings for the Vikings. Brandel played. Uh, he had to come in last year when Christian Darrisaw had the concussion issues and missed, I think, around four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got his grades up there. He was no great shakes as a I felt right. as a as a as a left tackle, and he gave up a fair amount of sacks. But he didn't embarrass himself out there either. He ended up playing uh, 23.6% of the offensive snaps. Uh, he's also a guy, he'll be going into his fourth year, Dave, and you always talk That's about offensive linemen. They take that three, they take some three or four years to, to, you know, to really get it. So he's in that fourth year. He's in his athletic prime. He's had good experience in the NFL. He also has played a little bit of guard. He played guard in those jumbo packages with the Vikings in 2021. So, He's got the flexibility. He could move, you could move him inside maybe if you had to, but he's probably a left tackle now. Uh, and the Vikings also, uh, as we talked about last week, Ole Udo was not coming back, yes. likely. Uh, he's our other backup tackle. So the, the Vikings really need uh, a guy like Blake Randall to round out the depth. And your backups, you're not – the team does not – they're lucky if they have one or two pro bowlers on their whole offensive line. So, like, your backups are not all pro guys, right? So a guy like Brandel, even though his grades look a little bit low, uh, if he can get you through a few games, if he has to, that's that's almost the best you can hope for. Right. And yeah. Your dog's even emphatic about it. About Brandel, yeah. yeah. He doesn't like Brandel giving up sacks either. He, my dog does like Kyrie's Tonga, though. So does uh, G-Mac. G-Mac and, likes Tonga. And I like what I saw from Tonga. Oh, there to I do too. This season, he was. I think you go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Oh, he was. He was. He was being disruptive. He's a little small for your typical interior defensive lineman, but he was being disruptive. And I don't mind small. If you can get lower than the offensive guy, you can get a pushback. Uh, you know, you've got energy. I'm cool with that. I think this is a great. It's an easy one because he's a you know restricted free agent, but I think this is a great sign. Only in football or sumo wrestling could a guy who's a three hundred forty pounds be considered small. I guess, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I like it too. Again, particularly at the price. Uh, and Tonga's a guy who he got cut by the Bears right at the end of preseason. He's on the Falcons practice squad, and the Vikings bring him on from the Falcons practice squad. And by the end of the year, he's starting games for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think his pro football focus grade was 77 point, almost 78, which is really, really good. Uh, again, he, he played 300 we'll have, defensive snaps. We'll have the yeah. slides, the PFF grade slides, when we look specifically at the defensive line. At the defensive line. But he, he played roughly about 23% of defensive snaps, uh, just like Brandel as well. But uh, um, he's a guy that, again, like you said, he was dis- disruptive at times when he played uh, and considering you got him for basically nothing, uh, he was a great value signing at the time, and I think he's a great value signing now. He He's definitely going to be, unless the Vikings do some substantial reworking of their defensive line, he's going to be an important rotational piece for the Vikings in 2023 under Brian Flores. And um, Flores talked about how he likes he needs players who do the dirty work. Well, Kyrie's Tonga is exactly that kind of guy. Uh, he's a guy that's going to take on two, maybe three blockers and allows that other Vikings defender to make the tackle for the loss. He's the guy that's going to shoot through a gap 
with his initial quickness off the snap. And he might not get the tackle, but he'll mess up a running play and that leads to minimal or no gain. He'll bat down some passes. Occasionally he will get like pressure up the middle and force, uh, get in a, a quarterback's face like he did to Kyler Murray in that Arizona game and force him to throw a pass that gets intercepted. So Kyrie's Tonga is the kind of dirty work guy that every, oh, do I ever remember Al Noga, GMAC? I loved Good. Al Noga. Good equivalent. G-back. Uh so like I, I I think Tonga is is a nice little signing. I'm happy that the Vikings got him back. And I'm also um interested to see again what can Brian Flores do with this guy. Tonga's like Tonga's like a, a you know, he's a one down, two down player. There's no doubt about that. He's not gonna play three, he's not a three down player, but you need one down, two down guys, just like just like Pat Williams was a one down, two down guy, right? But the yeah. one down and two down that he was in, he it made an impact. Damn good, yep. yeah, yeah. And, and and when you think about defensive line philosophies, having like hockey lines that you're constantly switching and keeping fresh, and you're you know, and you're saying, well, I want this guy because he's better at pass rushing, so I mean, he's going in on yes. pass rushing downs. I like this guy because he's better at run stuffing. Obvious rundowns you stick him in, that stuff is maximizing the talent of your players that Brian Flores talked about, and which gives you an advantage if you have those players do that. So I think Tonga is a very good piece for that, which is absolutely. He's also, um, you know, he went to Brigham Young. Uh, he was on a Mormon mission, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right, Jonathan. John Randall, small, underweighted at his signing, too. Uh, Tonga is not underweighted. <laughs> He's true. <laughs> you're a little late, but you made it. But Tonga is, uh, I think, a little bit important to mention is that he's he's just going into his third season, but he's already 27 years old, which is kind of mm-hmm. old. But in his case, uh, I think that's it's good for where he's playing because he's already a grown man. Mm-hmm. Like he is not growing into his body, David. He's at his athletic peak, and he's a grown man. And and you don't have to project what kind of physical specimen he's going to be uh you you know already that this is the player we've got this is what he can do well let's work on finding ways to maximize those those things that he can do well and again um i, I love tonga last year when he get in there there's the things that he would do again for a guy that you get for almost nothing uh when they produce like he did last year i'm glad to see the vikings signed him and again they got him for under a million bucks and uh, that's all good to me mm-hmm. yep that's Basically minimums. So yeah. it's, I think it's fabulous. It brings us to our last quick hitter. Who remembers? We're talking about who remembers. You know, we got names going up. Jonathan talked about John Randall. Um, I saw ta- um, other folks listed in there as well. Well, you want to talk about a blast from the past? How about Sharif Floyd? Yeah, just uh, mentioning Sharif Floyd um, because I haven't really heard much from Sharif Floyd. The last I basically heard from him was uh, he was suing Dr. James Andrew in 2018 for an alleged alleged botch knee surgery, which resulted in knee nerve damage to Sharif's knee in 2016. And then that ended. Yeah, and that ended Sharif's career. And uh, um, you know, uh, 
Sharif, if people remember, he was one of the three first-round draft picks the Vikings had in the 2013 draft. When they had got him at pick 23, they got Xavier Rhodes at 25, and then they Spielman uh, traded back into the first round to get Cordell Patterson at uh, pick 29, and then we didn't pick until the fourth round after that. But uh, but uh, we had three first-round picks that year, and uh, and so last week. I, you know, if you're wondering, like, whatever happened to Sharif Floyd? Well, last week, Dan Quinn with the Cowboys announced that Sharif Floyd is going to be his assistant defensive line coach and uh, defensive uh, quality control uh, guy uh, with the Cowboys. And I, you know, I feel that's pretty good about it. Floyd, if you're wondering what he's doing, he's gotten into coaching in the past few years, and I guess he's getting pretty good at it. And considering all he went through in his pro career, uh, I'm happy to see that he's back in in the league and in the NFL, and and doing reasonably well. Sometimes when these guys, when their career ends, uh, things don't end so well for them off the field. In Sharif's case, it looks like he has uh, you know bounced back from you know pretty would have been a pretty devastating uh, end to his career when you get a, a botched surgery and you can't play anymore. Right. Uh, that'd be pretty tough to deal with. But he's bounced back, and he's kind of one of those guys that he's a what if player. For me, as a as a Viking, you know he he never seemed to be. He was always nicked up with the Vikings in his four years. Like he 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 missed a couple of games in his second year. He missed like three games in his third year, and then his fourth year, which was we were kind of hoping would be a breakout year. He played the one game, and then he was done for the rest of the year, and that was the end of his career. And right. and he showed but when he in between exactly that was spectacular, and that's why like, everybody got everybody's hopes up. Yeah, you know, you know the same thing. When he when he was healthy, when he did play, he was could be a like you talked about Tonga being disruptive. Sharif Floyd oh, Sharif was very was very disruptive. Level up. Yeah. Now he didn't get a lot of sacks, but again, he was a defensive tackle. He only had nine point five, but defensive tackles don't get a lot of sacks. But as a guy who could be disruptive when he was healthy, you know, he was very disruptive. He could really use that quickness to get into a backfield and just blow up run plays. And he was a handful and. It's too bad we didn't get to see what kind of player he could have been beyond 2016. So happy that that he's you know he's found a footing back in the NFL, and um, you know I wish him well with the Cowboys. Just unless the Cowboys end up playing the Vikings, in that case, I hope his defensive line plays terrible. <laughs> well, as I told, I sent the message to um, Billy Kramer who we've on, had on as one of our Cowboys experts, friend of the show, friend of mine. And I said, hey, learn that Sharif now is your D, you know, assistant D-line coach, QA coach, all that. I go, I, he, great guy. I wish him luck. He was dynamic. If he brings that to you, you guys are going to be better. Except for when we play you, then I wish the staff and the team suck balls. And uh, yes. And he comes back. I appreciate your candor, David. I was unaware. <laughs> we go at it quite frequently. Um, but I think I think it's good for him. It's good to see. And it was the great Dr. Andrews, the world-renowned one, that bought yes. the surgery. It, just, it took just a little nick of that nerve, and that stopped the firing of the muscle in his leg. And cost him his career. And he he did sue, and I think he's got a, a good settlement over that. But now he's moving on with his life, become a coach. I think that's a good thing. 
I agree. Maybe maybe he'll end up being, um, you know, come back to the Vikings as a defensive line coach or, or something, you know, in the future. Who knows? But, uh, again, good to see him back in the NFL uh, because, uh, yeah, especially with the way his career ended the, in the manner that it did. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the end of the show. If you like the show, please hit like, subscribe, and ring the bell. We, prior to the show, were at 2,900, I think it was 999 subscribers. Just one shy, I think it was, of 3,000. So, uh, let's bump it up for his 2,299, something like that. We were one shy of hitting that beautiful round number. So, if you aren't subscribed, please do. We'd like to see that. We've got changes coming. Just like Kevin O'Connell talked about how he sat down with himself this week or after the season and he's reevaluating what can we do better. Uh, We are going through that process as well, and you're going to see something new coming up probably at the end of this week announcing that. But there will be some changes, but two old bloggers will be here as usual. We may look a little prettier, but we'll find out. What do we say there, buddy? We skate. We say, we skate. We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.